Good morning, afternoon, evening to all of you who've joined us from across the world. We welcome you to the HFS Unfiltered podcast. As part of this podcast, you can tune into unfiltered insights and perspectives from business leaders across the globe on the future of industry, the power of technology and innovation, and creating solutions that make a difference. I'm Nishchila Murthy Kaushik, the Chief Marketing Officer at HFS and your host for this podcast. One of the key insights that we at HFS have is that in 2021, our readers are genuinely interested in hearing authentic perspectives and unfiltered stories from those who are working on different aspects. And in today's podcast, that's exactly what we bring to you. As part of the conversation, you will hear diverse perspectives about what's shaping the future of the energy industry, the role of technology and innovation, and how different players are responding to the changing and evolving market dynamics. At the outset, I welcome our speakers for this podcast, Saurabh Gupta from HFS, Morris Taye from Hatch, and Robin Gospami from Infosys. I would now request the speakers to introduce ourselves. Saurabh. Hey, hi everyone. Uh, my name is Saurabh. I'm the president of research here at HFS. So I lead our overall research and advisory services. Um, been in the global services industry for more than 20 years. I started as a software engineer uh, doing AS400 programming um, and uh, I realized I wasn't very good at it. So uh, went in different directions. And now I'm here, uh, you know, looking at um, the industry in different perspectives, especially how emerging technologies are, are you know, changing the landscape of how we think of different industries. And I think I'm so glad to be speaking to Robin and Morris today and, and talk about the energy sector because that's one industry that, you know, will change and is already changing over the next uh, few years. Thanks, Sora. Morris? Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening to everyone uh, listening to this great uh, podca podcast. Um, I'm Maurice Taya. I'm the Global Chief Information Officer uh, of Hatch. Um, Hatch is based uh, in, uh, in Canada out of the Greater Toronto area, and I'm usually there. But these days, given the pandemic, um, I'm working from home like everybody else uh, from Houston, Texas. So what's exciting about this podcast is obviously, you know, be able to talk and filter, then, you know, respond to questions and, and share my thoughts about where the industry is going. Um, Hatch is, uh, is a great company that uh, over the past uh, three years, we have been, you know, investing heavily in many different areas. And hopefully I'll be able to share some of our thoughts with you. Thank you. Thanks, Morris. Looking forward to hearing your insights and perspectives. Robin, over to you, please. Hi, I'm Robin Goswami, Senior Vice President and Head of the Energy Practice at Infosys. I'm based out of Houston, but for the last year working from home, based virtually in the Infosys Houston studio. I've been in the technology industry forever, but in the energy, oil and gas industry for the last 15 years or so. Uh, it, it's really interesting right now. It's a very challenging time and also a very exciting time for the energy industry. I'm really happy to be talking to Saurabh and Morris on this podcast at this time. Sure. Thanks, Robin. Robin. 
So we'll start the first uh, part of the conversation with what I call setting the stage. Uh, we'd like to start by hearing from all of you your perspectives on how the global pandemic has impacted the energy industry. Saurabh, from a research perspective, how do you look at the you know, industry landscape and what are some of the changes and shifts that you've seen in the past couple of months? Yeah, look, I think uh, Robin already alluded to it. It's been it's been challenging and exciting at the same time. Uh, you know, the the challenges came through on the demand and the supply front, right? I I think if you look at 2020, the demand for oil uh, dropped to around six to eight percent, which was the most significant drop uh, since World War II. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, and at the same time, and that was largely driven by you know COVID-19 and what was happening across the globe. Uh, at the same time, uh, you know we saw supply actually increase, um, and you know so the demand and the uh, supply equation there was a sort of a double whammy uh, that the energy sector had to go through, and as a result. Um, that was the challenge, right? But the exciting part is that, uh, and I would love to hear what Morris and Robin are see seeing, but I've seen an acceleration in digital transformation initiatives. Uh, you know, use of emerging technologies has gone through the roof in the energy sector. People who were resisting change are now embracing change. Um, and, you know, this whole transition to clean energy, uh, renewables, carbon capture, uh, has also increased, uh, you know, quite dramatically. Um, you know, sustainability has become a, a big, a big agenda. So I think it has been challenging for the energy sector. But I, I think if you look at it from a long-term basis, it's a, it's a very exciting space um, right now in this, uh, in this sector. Maurice, what do you think? Well, I completely agree with you, sir. Uh, you know, I've been in this industry for over 25 years, and I can easily say that uh, the excitement that I'm seeing uh, in moving, you know, technology and changing the business model and changing things has really taken a very, very sharp increase over the, over the past, you know, uh, 15 months or so. Um, you know, Hatch have to a certain extent really been ahead of the curve. We have started our digital transformation about five years ago. And we put in earnest really a plan and start executing this plan in 2018. And, uh, and, and so far we have spent literally tens of millions of dollars of you know, figuring out what is really the digital transformation within Hatch and how it's gonna impact our, our business. Um, and, you know, when we talk about our, our, our business is just, uh, you know, we, we call ourselves in the engineering and uh, construction industry, but it's really serving uh, three different sectors. Um, you know, the biggest one is the mining and metals. Uh, the second one is energy, and it's all kinds of energies, you know, from uh, nuclear power to uh, oil and gas and you know, to uh, green energy and then infrastructure. Uh, so the transformation that we have, you know, essentially been observing and seeing is, is in each one of the sector, uh, it, has, it has evolved at its own pace at the beginning, but now it's rapidly changing. Um, you know, not only from the business point of view, 
but the technology you know that is associated with that and um, maybe we'll get a chance later on to talk a little bit about some of this technology but you know to build on what you said the the change has been dramatic especially uh, you know i would say been accelerated by the covid you know pandemic over the past 15 months I really echo what uh, Mauricio and Saurabh said. Just wanted to bring one thing to the fore. Uh, the interesting part about the oil and gas industry is it's a cyclical industry, and they are very used to dealing with the downturns. And in that sense, it is a, a, it's a set model that they go into when uh, uh, the downturn happens. But this time has been very different. And it's been very different for these other two factors that have been playing. Uh, you all talked about the digital transformation, which has been impacting all industries over the last four or five years. And then the energy transition, which is another uh, very important aspect uh, that has started to play over the last 15 months or so. And that's going to be increasingly relevant for the energy industry and uh, quite a few other industries. I think these two factors have impacted how this pandemic has impacted the energy industry, I believe. Uh, normally, the supply side, the oversupply shocks or the demand side challenges would have put the energy industry, all of us, to go back into the mode of let's preserve cash, let's hold tight for a little bit of time and things will come back to normal. I think these two other factors of the digital transformation and the uh, energy transition needs have driven certain things to happen that are different. Uh, we saw the same first six months of the pandemic. Uh, everybody just was holding tight, trying to find ways to preserve cash. Uh, cutting costs wherever they could. But then later last year, we saw them start to come back and start to focus on how do we drive long-term efficiencies and how do we get refocused on the digital transformation and on the energy transition. And that was what was most exciting to me. Uh, this is my third downturn in the energy industry that I'm seeing. So this one has been very different and very exciting because of that particular aspect of it. Yeah, I, I think, Robin, that's an excellent point because i think if you look at all the previous downturns you know there was there were two camps either you do more or you you know save money uh, and it was one or the other i think right now what we are going through is do more with less uh, and and i think that's uh, that's actually very very challenging in one way right because we don't have uh, that's a value proposition that we've not really had, right, is how do you do a lot more with a lot less? Um, and that's uh, that's the uniqueness in my mind uh, about this uh, this particular downturn. I think, I think the one thing I would add also to that is that while in the past these, you know, ups and downs, if you want, uh, where uh, you could see yourself, you know, at some point, you know, emerging, uh, I think what this pandemic has has really given us is uh, probably a different outlook. That if you don't, ch you know, start changing the business model and business you're in, you may not necessarily emerge strong at the end of the day. So it's not just about the efficiencies in the operations, but it's really changing, you know, the sometimes the business you're in. In the energy sector, there are several examples where you know companies are not you know depending only on fossil fuel uh, to drive the revenues and so on now companies are looking for a green energy to to drive that growth and so on to, to drive the diversity as well 
And that's different. That's completely different. You know, if you look at, you know, previous downturns, the light, latest one being in the, you know, 2000, you know, 15 or 16 and so on and so on, it was absolutely classical preserve cash until you get back and so on. But now it's all about technology. Is if if you don't diversify, you know, uh, the way you run your business, if you don't diversify your portfolio, then it's it's a different story. It's a different outcome. You may not either emerge, or if you emerge, you may be weak, or you know you may have a different horizon as far as, you know. Uh, you know, how, how long can you stay in this market, you know, given the same principles, you know, uh, of operating. So it's it's that that we are seeing that that's, you know, exciting and it's also driving this investment, if you want, in this industry. Morris, I think to add to what Saurabh said, this one, everybody's trying to do more with less. And as you said, Morris, uh, do it technology. And that is where, uh, all of us have been forced to get more creative, find ways to drive efficiencies while continuing the digital transformation journey and also thinking about how will we make this energy transition happen jointly with our clients. Thanks, Saurabh, Morris, and Robin. I think that was a very comprehensive and uh, interesting uh, perspective to understand what's happening in the industry. Um, in our next segment, which I call Let's Talk Unfiltered, we'd like to shift the spotlight to solutions, innovations, and what next in terms of the road forward. So Sara, we'll start with you. Uh, you know, how do you see, uh, you know, the different market players in the ecosystem responding to these shifts? And what are some of the innovations and solutions that you think are going to be important as we move forward? So I think I think it's again comes back to demand and supply, right? Uh, basically, and demand is changing in two ways. One, there is anticipated lesser demand. You know, not maybe as low as what we saw in COVID nineteen. Hopefully, things will stabilize. Uh, you know, some countries like India are still struggling, um, but hopefully, things will stabilize. But it'll still be lower demand. That's what most projections say. Uh, the consumer behavior towards oil is also changing, right? Uh, and there is more acceptance towards greener, um, uh, you know, uh, uh, fuels and greener energy. I think the political rhetoric uh, is is starting to change as well. Uh, you know, I mentioned sustainability, carbon capture; uh, those are huge areas uh, as well. So I think there's a lot of innovation that's coming through. Uh, I think the one thing that I'll I'll say is yes, we can talk a lot about technology, and there are you know in the oil and gas and the energy sector, you know from everything from artificial intelligence to smart analytics to blockchain to even quantum computing and edge computing and IoT, you know we can keep talking about those, but I think fundamentally innovation is also about data, innovation is also about change management. Innovation is also about people and innovation is also about process, right? We, how do we change all of those things? And I think that's, that's what I'm at least most excited about is, you know, this, a more holistic framework because we can throw as much money as we want on just technology, but I'm not sure if technology alone will, you know, solve for what we are trying to solve for. 
well, to build on um, Rob's um, you know comments and feedback, um, you know, excellent, uh, excellent feedback. Um, you know, for me, I look at what's driving uh, the innovation. What's the business driver for that? And there, while there may be several business drivers, the main one, you know, in my mind is is as follows: How's you know tomorrow's if you want connected worker, knowledge worker is going to work. How? You know, today, you know, we, we say, oh, I'm working from home because of the pandemic. That's fine. But how's tomorrow's worker who's, you know, given, if you want, it's going to be connected, uh, going to work and, uh, and be productive and so on. And, and to do that, you start looking really at various technologies. So if we stick to um, you know, our, our business, which is, you know, as I said, in the engineering, you know, all the way to construction, um, can we think, for example, how, you know, the current business processes are done today versus how they can be in the future, where, you know, as we work on a given project from multiple offices, from, you know, with multiple uh, partners, uh, how is, for example, virtual reality, uh, going to impact, for example, the way we design, the way we review a 3D model. Uh, how are we going to be able to do the same? Um, you know, for example, uh, create documents, uh, create drawings, and be able to review them, annotate them, uh, share them, uh, collaborate with our people around the world. Um, you know, the same uh, if, for example, we have a a construction worker at site, uh, you know, while in the past they may go and uh, observe things and write a report and come back and do something. Today, all this stuff can be done, frankly, in real time. Uh, somebody could be at site and uh, having, you know, capabilities that can be transmitted to engineers sitting uh, in the office, at home, in any country, and be able to get feedback immediately on how to solve that, you know, a problem or how to fix something or how to maintain something. So to me, to me, if you want, before we start talking about what are you doing in, you know, in machine learning or what are you doing in, you know, blockchain or what are you doing in, in something, what's the business driver? And the business driver for me is, you know, as I said, one of them is how's tomorrow knowledge worker going to perform, you know, the task given to them. And, and beyond that, when we start looking, you'll see all the technologies that needs to be put in place and so on. So that's a quick feedback from my end. So add to that, uh, the drivers that are changing the industry um, has in some ways forced us to adapt also and uh, become a lot more different in how we deal with uh, our clients. And there are three factors that play a lot out here from a service provider perspective, specifically Infosys. Uh, one is Infosys has always been a technology company. That is what we are. That is what we do. We, we just focus on technology. And that, that has been a critical core for us for the last 40 years of our existence. Second part, over the last 15 to 20 years, we've understood the domain extremely well. We understand the energy, oil and gas domain extremely well. The third part is we've always looked to partner with our clients. And the chain that has happened over the last few years or so is driven primarily from technology. It is driven where technology is the enabler. Uh, as Saurabh, you pointed out, it, it is not just technology, but technology is a key part of it. 
And the fact that we understand the domain, that we are a technology company and we are looking to partner with our clients has helped us tremendously during this time where all of these changes are happening. And it has helped us work and create solutions with clients which are very different from the normal. Um, normally, five years ago, we would have clients tell us, we want you to do this and we would figure out and plan on that. More and more, we are sitting down and we are trying to part, you know, chart a journey and a path and how are we going to make this happen? And that is when it comes to digital transformation. When it comes to energy transition, it's even more unclear. And that is where it is not just us and our clients. Then we need analysts, we need partners, we need academia, and we need all of this ecosystem to come together, genuinely start to work on where are we going to go and how are we going to make this happen? And that is where a lot of creative solutions are coming up. And that is why, what makes it very exciting right now, that it is not just us doing back and forth with our clients. It is a group of uh, companies, individuals getting together and trying to find out how can we do this differently. I think that's, you're absolutely right, you know, in, in this, uh, you know, feedback, Robin, because, you know, today, today we are, dependent on the entire ecosystem, not just, you know, companies, you know, and, and working in, in the past, as, as you mentioned, with technology companies like Infosys and, and others in a, in a very uh, formal, you know, uh, contractual way. I mean, that's, yes, that they still exist, but the problems that, you know, we're trying to solve and so on are much bigger than one company can, can address. Uh, you know, whether you're talking about domain knowledge, which companies like us, you know, obviously has, has a lot, but how do you, you know, take the technology that, uh, that uh, you know, for example, you guys may excel in, in and couple it and be able to drive industry solutions. And, and to me, you know, like you, I've been in the industry for, for some time. Uh, and what I'm seeing really the collaboration, if you want today is tighter, is closer. And, and that's driving, you know, various parts of, of the supply chain to, to collaborate a lot more because it's all about the success, if you want, that everybody's driving that. And it's not just about one piece, one company being successful at something. If you're gonna be successful and grow, you gotta make sure that everybody else in there um, obviously is, uh, is, uh, is also successful. Yeah, no, Morris and Robin, I think we, we at HFS have this, <clears throat> have this, uh, sort of framework of what innovation is. And I think the, the scope of innovation has, has changed, um, and it has changed suddenly over the last 12 months. Right. So I think the, when we thought of innovation, it was largely dependent on a functional innovation, right? We would transform our refinement, uh, refineries, we would transform our distribution, uh, you know, we would transform our finance and accounting, we would transform IT, uh, but it was still functional or process-centric. I think suddenly that transformation or innovation became enterprise-wide, right? How do we become a digital native enterprise, right? Or, or a cloud native enterprise, right? And now I think it's becoming more ecosystem, right? Wherein it's beyond the four walls of even the enterprise. How do we play in this ecosystem, uh, right? What is the, because if you look at it, the no one company can own the customer, right? Uh, no matter what, how big you are, it is the ecosystem that, dri that drives customer experience. And I think that's dawning upon us uh, you know, that it's the ecosystem, Robin, as you mentioned, of not just the 
you know, energy companies like Hatch, uh, but, you know, a broader ecosystem of, uh, uh, you know, like admissions, uh, analysts, you know, politicians, consumers, uh, uh, industry bodies, you know, we don't have standards, you know, uh, uh, yet. So I, I think that that scope of transformation or scope of innovation has just suddenly expanded, you know, uh, and it's no longer just within the four walls of our uh, organization. Uh, and, and to your point, Morris, it's collaboration is not just, you know, we, we are still in one way, we are still struggling with, let's say, IT and business collaboration, right? Those people don't talk to each other. And now we're asking, sure, you know, and now we're asking competitors to collaborate uh, with each other. And that's, that's a challenge. Okay, so Morris, I'd, I'd like to now, uh, you know, kind of, you know, um, you know, shift the focus on your role as the CIO, right? Uh, you know, how, how can, how are companies like Hatch really reinventing yourself probably to respond to all the changes that are happening in the industry? Um, and kind of what's the kind of, you know, um, short term and medium term and long term response to, um, you know, to growth? Um, excellent question. Um, you know, for me is, is um, first and foremost is, is having a, a good vision, a good vision that is uh, supported by, by the executives of the company, by the board of the company. Because without, without a vision, without an understanding what, what is needed, um, yes, we can dabble with technology and you may or may not succeed and so on, but but you really need that number one, you know, not not only the vision, but the support, and, and sometimes the patience for it. Because this is not something that you can do in in three months or six months. Uh, it may take three years, or it may take five years. It may it may be something that you're gonna you know keep doing and doing for for forever, you know, essentially. So, and and any kind of transformation, any kind of innovation that is required, uh, it takes resources, resources in terms of money, in terms of uh, people, uh, and also the dedication to kind of say, you know, not only I'm gonna invest and do all this good stuff, but I truly want to change the business model that I'm in. Um, so for Hatch, you know, we, we have taken, um, if you want, these ideas, these initiatives, and we're working on two, you know, axes, if you want. One is an internal one, which is how do we change internally how we operate and execute projects and so on. And that's, this is something that is absolutely, you know, necessary, as I said earlier, to, to you know, continue to grow and, and survive, frankly. But also at the same time, what we have, you know, as, as an objective, and, and that's to a certain extent due to the vision of, um, of, of our board, is how do we take advantage of that? Uh, because, because now you're looking at a new business model to kind of say, not only I can change my work processes and become, you know, much more efficient on, on how to execute something, but now how can I sell these ideas and services and and tools and, and products and make money at it. And, and, and to a certain extent, that's really what's driving, you know, uh, some of the innovation within Hatch. We have established uh, the, or, the necessary organization. We grow in this organization as well. And that's, to me, 
the you know the probably the the biggest change that I see within Hatch versus you know other companies out there. You know, so it's, it's we're not necessarily just talking about it. We're doing it. We're putting the money. We're putting the resources. We're teaming up with companies. You know. Um, you know, like emphasis with Robbins, you know, you know, company to absolutely deliver that. And that's, that's what's needed, the commitment, the vision, and the execution. That's great to hear, Morris. Um, Robin, I'd like to shift the focus now to you, right? To, to just building on what uh, Morris said, uh, you know, while Hatch is one of your clients, uh, if you look at it from an industry perspective, uh, how are you responding to, you know, the changing strategies, maybe an evolving vision uh, and, you know, kind of, you know, the need for clients in the industry uh, to still be profitable and grow uh, in this, you know, sort of volatile, dynamic and uncertain market? This time around, this downturn, there are two fundamental adaptations that we've had to make and we've alluded to that in the discussion so far. One is uh, the traditional question back and forth that used to come from clients is talk to more, I have this problem and what I need to do this and how do we make it happen, which is why this, uh, what we all just discussed, the need to bring an ecosystem to find a solution to that. And the second uh, thing, which uh, seemed very unreasonable to start with, but when you look at it, as a, it is a reality. I want to do all of this, but I don't have the money. So how do I make it happen? Uh, and uh, it, as I said, looked unreasonable to start with, but when you really start to think about the problem and you get an ecosystem together of analysts, uh, academicians and others to start to figure out how you will do it, you realize that uh, there are creative ways to monetize assets that clients have. Uh, there are creative ways to drive efficiencies and drive money out of those efficiencies. Uh, and there are ways to leverage balance sheets uh, that uh, we can because uh, we, we are uh, in a different industry, if you may. And all of that comes together to then find ways to fund digital transformations and to fund energy transition. So those are the two key adaptations that we have found absolutely critical in the last uh, eight or nine months. And the good part is uh, clients are throwing these problems at us. And they're not, uh, they don't have answers and they, they are willing to look at any answers that come out and look creatively at different solutions and look beyond the traditional boundaries of uh, just being within this industry only. Just to add to, to Robin's comment, it's really about the survival because companies have realized that the way of doing business you know uh, today may not necessarily be the way of doing business tomorrow and if they don't change you know you know the execution you know model if they don't change the operational model if they don't change the way they make money it may be a lot more difficult in the future to to sustain all the changes around them and actually continue to to exist so it, it's a necessity if you want to survive. Those are great points, Robin and Morris, but I'm just, just curious to know, uh, you know, with all these shifts and changes that are happening, I'm sensing there's a change in, you know, strategy, priorities, business model, operating model, uh, commercial models, uh, you know, how we even execute programs, ways of working. 
Uh, and all these things really then translate into a change in probably the skill sets we need in the people who are working for us in multiple of these programs. Uh, so I'm curious to hear from all of you in terms of what shifts are you seeing in terms of skills and uh, you know, what would be your kind of, you know, advice to people who are listening in, in terms of what kind of skills that they probably need to develop either from a domain perspective, uh, leadership perspective, or just technology perspective. First on that, it's a very important point that you raise, uh, Nishila, you use the word skills. And what we are used to traditionally across industries, not just in the energy industry or in the technology industry, is we're used to degrees. Everybody would get a degree and that would be the end of your formal education and then you would get to a job and you would work for the next 20, 30 years. But Saurabh talked about in his introduction, he was an AS400 programmer. Um, I was an AS400 programmer a long time ago. Nobody programs an AS400 now. Uh, the languages that we used to program in 30 years ago don't exist anymore. So in the technology space, every four or five years, everybody has had to learn new skills. And very soon that is coming across industries. So we are going to see an environment where people are going to move away from this very traditional, I'm going to go to college, get a degree, that's the end of my education, to a continuous learning process where you're always looking to learn new skills. Um, as we get into a lot of this uh, uh, augmented reality, virtual reality, there will be new skills to be learned out there that will be very relevant for workers of the future. And it is not a four-year degree program that you have to do, possibly a six-week um, skill upskilling that you have to do. So we are starting to see the beginning of that massive transformation in how education is done. More importantly, how reskilling is done because it is going to be relevant for everybody across industries. It's hard to beat Robin's answer uh, on that one. I think uh, I, the only thing that I'd say is I don't think Infosys is a technology company. I think Infosys is a people company, right? The the ultimately what stands Infosys and you know others like Infosys is their ability to develop talent, you know, attract, retain, and develop talent. That's I think your core competitive you know, differentiation in, in, you know, my humble opinion. Now that talent has to do something with technology is is <laughs> is there. Uh, but ultimately, we are all people company, right? Uh, at the end of the day, whether you're HFS, whether you're Hatch, whether you're Infosys, you know, we are all ultimately people company and we all have to think about these skill sets of the future. And I think one of the most important skill sets, uh, in fact, we did some research on this is around digital fluency. And what I mean by that is, you know, you can't have business professionals today who don't understand technology. And you can't have technologists who don't understand business at all. You know, you can have spikes, but you need, if you are an IT professional, you still need to understand the business domain somewhat. And if you are a business professional, you need to be able to operate uh, some of the software. And I think that in one of the recent surveys came out as the most important critical survival skill that we need. And I think that's still an underinvested area. You know, we, we still are hiring different people for different, you know, uh, jobs. And I think these, these worlds are converging very, very fast um, with us. But it's, uh, it's a question that hasn't been solved in my mind. Uh, you know, it's, it's still, uh, it's still an evolving, uh, discussion and a debate. Look, I'll, I'll uh, chip in uh, you know, a couple of my thoughts here because um, 
it's it's something that is extremely interesting subject. Um, you know, right in the core values of Hatch is we say you know we're professionals, we're engineers with, with a you know technology soul, if you want, and that's to a certain extent uh, dives really into into the challenge that we that we have when we talk about skills, when we talk about how do you keep upgrading these skills based on on the environment that you're in today or in the next three to five years or so on it's a challenge but but it's it's a challenge that you absolutely have to uh to take on and uh and uh, and and be able to adjust if you look and you know talked about the programming uh but you can also look at it from an engineering point of view how for example uh, drawings uh, used to be done uh, just literally 20 years ago, how they are done today. How would they be done in, in five or 10 years from now? We talked about you know, virtual reality or augmented reality, and that's all about how do I get this information, uh, be able to visualize it. And if you just look 10 years ago, uh, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, the the change has been dramatic, and the skill sets that you used to have uh, have changed, you know, quite a bit. So, so the challenge is really at, at not only the company as, as an organization, but also to the people. You know, uh, you have to take it as an individual and be able to uh, to grow, to be able to change with that, because you know, one can say, okay, I'll stay, you know, within my you know, programming an environment and I know that I know very well, but the world is moving, technology is moving and, and the pace of this, of this evolution is much, much faster. So it's, you know, my point is, you know, companies can, can certainly um, have the vision, can drive all this stuff, but it's also up to, to us individuals to have, you know, the capability to, to understand that, you know, we can't, you know, sit still and, and expect you know, things to move, you know, we have to change as well. Thanks, Morris. I think that's some great food for thought for anyone who's listening into this podcast. I think skills is something we all need to consciously work on. And I think it's a great perspective while organizations can provide the tools and programs and enabling environment to enhance our skills. Uh, there is a sense of personal responsibility that we need to take as professionals as we move forward in our careers. So thanks for sharing those perspectives. Uh, we now come into the last segment, which is really about looking into the future. Uh, and I'll start with a question which I would like to hear from all three of you. What do you think the energy industry will look like, say, in 2025? So, uh, uh, one key thing that struck me uh, at the start of this pandemic was uh, how quickly we went to working remotely and how much resistance we had to working remotely prior to that. Technology has been there for probably 10 years, but we refused to use it for a variety of reasons. And then overnight, within a week, we were using those technologies. And for a year, I have been functioning uh, uh, fairly productively using all of those technologies. And that is, I think, the critical part. The Saurabh talked about it, Maurice talked about it. The, the focus on the change and the driving the change is very important. And that change has started to happen in the energy industry. And that's very encouraging to see. Uh, that willingness to realize that the digital transformation is here and we have to continue pushing forward on that. So I definitely hope that in 2025, we will see companies being a lot more digital. 
Uh, energy transition is a lot more of an open area. And again, there is a huge push from um, the media, from the public, from regulatory authorities, from politicians, everybody, which is again, forcing this uh, energy transition to become front and center. And I believe that is really going to start to answer a lot of questions because we genuinely don't know what it will be like in 2025 and in 2030. And it is still a long uh, unknown. A lot of experiments are being tried, but I hope to see some clarity by 2025 on to how are we going to achieve the climate goals that we have set for um, ourselves uh, as a civilization, really. Uh, but that is what is the exciting part that I hope to see us be a lot more digital in 2025 and some more clarity on where is energy transition taking us. I'll go next. Um, <clears throat> I think, I think Nishala, the the way that we define, you know, our industries will change, and it's already changing. And by 2025, it'll look very different than it is today. You know, we today we have oil and gas, we have utilities, right? And I think those are already starting to converge. Now, if you see what's happening with, you know, the uh, advent of batteries and uh, you know where does that industry stand you know what is that industry uh, so i think the 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 traditional way of how we've looked at these industries is going to change you know the the value chains are merging into each other the value propositions are merging into each other um, you know should we should we look at bp and shell as retail industries or energy industries right shell has perhaps the most number has higher number of uh, retail outlets than perhaps even walmart right uh, so I, I think the way that we've defined and boxed uh, you know different companies into this is an oil and gas company this is a you know utilities company uh, is going to change you know because companies are trying to figure out new ways of new value propositions. You know, where does data go? Can data be monetized? And if data is monetized, then what does the new company look like? Um, and I don't have an answer for what that new, uh, you know, energy sector will be called or but that semantics. My sense is these, in five years, we're going to see a, a sea of difference in, in the way that we define and understand uh, this industry and what we do as of today. I don't know, Maurice, if you agree or disagree. Um, hundred percent agree. Hundred percent agree. And 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 I would uh, add to what you just uh, said, Rob. Uh, you know, my perspective is from really two two main points. Uh, you know, number one, uh, you know, the energy the energy industry will continue to be in the energy you know business. Uh, what might change or where, where we might start seeing some changes is the source of the energy. While it could, you know, it was, you know, let's say in general, especially if I'm sitting in, um, in Houston, it's uh, fossil fuel, if you will, driven a lot of it. Uh, well, that may change. That may start to change. Five years is not enough to change, you know, completely, but it, you'll see, you know, you're going to see certainly the start of such a change. Uh, if you take, you know, if you if the question is where would the industry be heading in 10, 15 years from now, I think there'll be substantial change uh, in in that business. Uh, not necessarily that you know you're gonna you're gonna be in a different uh, you know industry sector, 
but as I said, it's it's how energy is number one is obtained, is delivered. That will change. Uh, not not only at the consumer level. You know, you'll have a lot more electric cars and so on and so forth. But at every every different level, industry in general. Um, the other the other really change is you know we talked about uh, you know the digital transformation and so on and and I would I would say I would love to see in five years where our industry is similar to the Formula One in if you want uh, racing if you guys you know get into that when we talk about digital twin if you think about it they have the perfect digital twin they monitor their cars in real time. So it's not just, well, let me see here how I can add intelligence to my 3D model, how I can do this and this and this. So, so it makes it into a digital twin, um, you know, that is not real time or possibly, you know, if we can get to the point where in our industry, we get to similar way as the Formula One where you have a car driving around and so on, and they have exact digital twin and figuring out and tweaking and making the changes as the, you know, uh, you know, the car is being driven. If you want, that's we would have done a superb job. Will we get there? I'm not so sure in five years, but I'm very optimistic that before too long, you know, we will get there. It's great to hear. I think exciting times ahead for the industry. Uh, so now my last question of the podcast today, if you had one wish that could come true, what would that be? And Morris, we'll start with you and we'll go in alphabetical order, please. One wish. Um, the one wish is, is essentially, in, in my opinion, is, uh, is time. You know, because, um, you know, like Robin, like Robin, we've been in the industry for, for some time. And, um, you know, if I build on my own experience, um, where we have succeeded and where we have failed is that, you know, uh, you may have a great idea, you know, about how to do, uh, you know, introduce technology, make changes and so on. But these ideas often, um, you know, especially when you're tackling, you know, major problems, uh, if you don't have the time to execute them, and, uh, and sometimes you may, you may fail once or twice before you get there, then essentially you're squashing these ideas and so on. So to me, um, you know, when we talk about technology, I wish I can say it's a plug and play. You take it, you, you, know, you plug it, and then you're up and running. It doesn't work this way. So my only wish is, is time and patience. Thank you. Next. While I absolutely love the idea of colonizing Mars and space, the reality is there is only one planet Earth. And I really wish we could uh, accelerate the reversal of the negative impact that humans are having on the planet. And that's why I'm really, really excited about what is going on with the entire conversation and not just the conversation, the action behind energy transition. Yeah, it's always hard to um, be the last on these questions, but uh, I, I think I'll echo uh, something that Robin said. You know, I wish that uh, I leave the planet, you know, maybe greener than what I live in for my daughter. Uh, and I think 
I think we need to change our mindset around the energy industry. I don't think it's the industry to be blamed. I think the energy industry is going to be the change agent uh, to make that happen. Uh, you know, and we are struggling with ways to make that happen. But I, I do feel that um, you know the energy industry is going to make is is what I'm pinning my hopes on to make that make my wish true, uh, make my wish come true. And I wish that all your three wishes come true. So thank you so much, uh, Morris, Robin, and Saurabh. It was an absolutely wonderful conversation. Uh, you know, a lot of diverse, interesting perspectives and a lot of food for thought for anyone who's listening to this podcast. Thank you so much for your time and we really appreciate you joining us today. <laughs>